are listening to the official podcast of Oceans Church, a place to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with Pastor Mark Francie. Psalms chapter 103, we have it on the screens. If you uh, don't have your Bible, maybe you have it memorized. That's great. Psalms chapter 103. And I want to talk to you today about the power of remembering. The power of remembering. Someone say remember. Come on, try it out. Say remember. I want to talk to you about remembering today. I think that one of the, one of the problems with our humanity is, is we don't usually remember the right things. And I want to talk a little bit about this today. This chapter was written by a guy named David. This is the David that killed Goliath. This is the David that was the youngest of uh, many brothers. He was actually the baby. He was redhead. The Bible says he was Rudy. Rudy, Rudy. Sorry, that was a flashback. He was Rudy. The Bible describes him as a redhead. He's probably homeschooled and was often barefoot. Come on. And uh, David, uh, we know the story, gets anointed by a really accurate prophet by, by the name of Samuel. He would go on to become king. He kills Goliath. Uh, before he becomes king, he becomes an outlaw. He's persecuted. He's on the hunt by King Saul, the first king of Israel. And we pick up the story here, not at the beginning of David's life, not even midway through, but he writes this chapter, scholars tell us, at the end of his life. After he's committed an affair, after he's failed on the parenting front of seeing his kids very dysfunctional, one of his sons rapes one of his daughters, his other son takes the law into his own hands, kills the brother that raped his sister. It's like Jerry Springer. Come on. Jerry. Jerry. Well, keep on. Uh, and, and David, he knows the highs and he knows the lows of life. And at the end of his life, he pins, in my, my, in my estimation, one of the greatest chapters we have in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 103. We're going to look at the first five verses this morning. When you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a second, say, hold up. Okay, one person. <laughs> one honest person, at least. Uh, I want to wish my friend Paul, I'm not sure if he's here today. Is Paul here? He had a birthday this week. Paul, you here? Anyone here by the name of Paul? Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, is it okay to laugh in church? All right, I promise. I won't be a boring preacher if not a boring crowd. Is that all right? We got a deal? All right, Psalms chapter 103. Let's read five verses together. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all. Someone say all. Try it out. Say all. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget. Someone say forget. Really important part, forget not all his benefits. Some translations say he loads us daily with benefits. Verse 3 goes on to say, who, number one, he forgives all. I love how he keeps on using the word all. All of our iniquities. Who heals all our diseases. Who, who redeems our life from destruction. And who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. It goes on to say, who satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed. Someone say renewed. Come on, we're in Orange County. We appreciate renewed youth. Renews our youth like that of the eagles and uh, satisfies our mouth with good things. I want to I pray this morning, and I wanna, again, I want to talk to you about the power of remembering. God, I just thank you for the opportunity 
to be here this morning. So many incredible people from all over the, the valley, all over the U.S. that are here today. I'm asking that whether we're listening to this podcast or we're here live in the building, that you would meet us, that you would speak to us, you would lead us and guide us. We love you right now, and I pray whether we're far from you or whether we're close, that you would speak to us in a clear way. We invite you to have your way today. In Jesus' name, help the Lakers. Someone said amen. Amen. Lord, do what you can. Do what you can. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I think there's few things uh, less defeating uh, than really, or more defeating than, uh, than forgetting something. I don't know if you've been there before, if you've ever left your house without your cell phone, and you feel like you're naked. You leave your house, you forget your wallet, you feel defeated. How did I, how did I lose my car keys? Who's ever lost their car keys? Come on, let's be honest. You ever test your, your salvation? How, how Christian am I? Oftentimes, you find out who you really are when you lose your car keys. And uh, I don't know if you misplaced a shirt, couldn't find a pair of shoes, going on a trip, can't find your suitcase. There's very few things more defeating in life than losing something, than forgetting something, where you put it, where you placed it, where you had it last. Anyone else have a mom like mine who likes to torment us with one of the worst questions ever given to someone that's misplaced something? I say, she, she says, Mark, what are you looking for? I say, my keys. She says, where did you put them last? Like, Mom, we wouldn't be in this predicament if I could answer that question accurately. Where did you put them last? I, I, I forgot. I forgot. I, I don't know. It's worse. It's, it's maddening to forget things. It's like, how did I forget to turn the lights off? How did I, how did I forget to close the garage? How, how did I forget? Did I leave the, the straight iron on for my wife? Did I turn her straight iron off? Did I, did I forget? Did I, did I forget? And, and I think many times it's, it's so easy. I think we can all agree that it, our human proclivity is, is we're good at forgetting things that we're supposed to remember. But I would go a step further and say that we're actually good at remembering things that we should forget. This in, this in lies, it's kind of my thesis this morning, is that I believe the human condition is, is we remember what we're supposed to forget. And we forget what we're supposed to remember. And I believe many people in the room today are like, you know, Mark, I, I don't know, is God real? Can you know God? What type of people know God? How do you encounter God? Where is the place that you engage? Where's the space that you engage in God's presence? I actually believe this, that the chronological order of Psalms 103 is very telling as to how we, where we engage in encountering God. Where do you encounter God? First of all, it starts off by David saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there before. You had a bad enough day that the only person that could get you in a good mood was yourself. I don't know if you've ever been defeated, felt like, man, everything's going against me. All these things are against me. And you have to look in the mirror and just say, you know what, Mark? It's been a weird season, a weird day, a trying time. But bless the Lord, oh my soul. I believe sometimes the only voice you really believe is your own voice. And I think that what David tells us at the end of his life, from the highs and the lows of life, is that sometimes in life you have to take ownership of saying, God, I'm in a tough predicament, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to esteem you. I'm gonna, the word actually means salute. I'm going to acclaim you above everything else that's going on in my life. I think it's very easy to become a victim of our circumstances. When do you bless God when life is good? Well, the problem with that is, is life isn't always good. So how do you live in a constant 
uh, consistent state when life is very, very inconsistent? How do you bless the Lord at all times? It's crazy because I believe that there's power in remembering. I actually believe that this is why he said, bless the Lord, all, all my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord and forget not. I think that the, the bedrock of gratitude, let me just give away my message this morning, I actually believe that we find God, the space where we encounter God is the doorstep of gratitude and thanksgiving. I actually believe that some of you are like, I've never encountered the goodness of God, never heard his voice, never felt his presence. And I would actually suggest to you that maybe it could be you've never been in a space that you were overwhelmed with gratitude for who God's been, for what he's done, and maybe you're not even aware of what he's done and who he is yet. Totally fine. I want to show you through the, these five verses we read how, how God literally shows David, reveals to us through David how we remember how good he is. You see, I believe that remembering, remembering is powerful. I think that the problem with most of us is we remember the wrong things. We remember faults, mistakes, failures. We remember low moments. We have tabloids that make millions of dollars by literally capturing pictures of people's lowest moments as human beings. We're really good at remembering. Man, you, you mentioned a last name. You, you mentioned Clinton or Trump or, or uh, you mentioned Bolt or you mentioned, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Michael Phelps. There's a last name. You, you mentioned last names and names have associated ideas behind them. And you say a name, what we usually do is we remember the lowest moment and sometimes on occasion we remember the highest moment. But many times our brain is better at remembering the negative things than the positive things. We remember losses and failures. We remember off days. We remember what we didn't measure up. And I think that one of the, great, the greatest things that we do wrong is we forget the miracles. We forget about the answered prayers. We forget about how God came through. We forget about how God provided when there was no way. We forgot about the raise he gave us, the promotion, the favor, how God has restored a relationship you thought would never be restored. I actually believe this is our, not you, this is our condition that we forget the wrong things or the right things and we remember the wrong things. There it is. Come on, help me preach this morning. Say amen. I actually believe that, that this is why Joseph in Genesis, he says this in Genesis chapter 41, 51, after 13 years of going through hell. Joseph doesn't have live a life that literally goes through no trials, no challenges. He goes through 13 years of being sold to slavery. We'll, we'll talk about him in the upcoming series. But he goes through this really difficult decade in three years. And the first child he has, he names this child Manasseh, which literally translates, God has made me forget the hardships that I've gone through. You know what God does is he'll actually be so good to you when you acknowledge him that he'll actually make you forget the difficult seasons, times of your life, that his good, you'll be like, man, Manasseh, this, this last 13 years was like Manasseh. That it was difficult, but God has been so good that I forgot about the difficult seasons that I've gone through. Deuteronomy 4.9 says this, only take heed to yourselves, keep yourselves, lest you forget, lest you forget the things that I have told you and that you have seen. Psalms 119.16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Dave is always reminding us not to forget. Paul goes on in the New Testament in Philippians 3.13, and he states this very famous passage, I do not, my count, I do not count myself to, to have apprehended anything, but one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind, that I might lay hold and press on to those things that God has in store for me. Paul says, look, I have a, I, look, you want to compare records and histories and, and my past? You look at where I've been, the mistakes that I've made, you're going to feel really good about yourself. Paul says there's power in forgetting the wrong things. There's power in remembering the right things. You see, life gets gloomy and dark when you forget what you're supposed to remember. And it gets really discouraging when you, when you forget what you're supposed to remember and you don't remember what you're supposed to forget. We see here that David goes on and says, look, bless the Lord, all that's within me, bless his holy name. And, and he says, this is so important, David, he, he said, bless, bless the Lord, be one of the greatest objects of my life is to give God my affection. Now, I actually believe this is in systematic order. You see, I believe this, that, that honoring or blessing God is one of the fastest ways to remember the right things. When you begin to honor God, I know some of you are like, Mark, I'm not demonstrative, I'm not like an extrovert, I'm not like a bubbly, like I'm not a good singer, I'm very quiet, that's not my personality. I want you to know that when you begin to honor and esteem God, it's the fastest way to remembering the important things of life. I don't know what it is, but when I start to thank God for what's working in my life, everything seems to start falling into place. It's amazing to me. It's just, he says, honoring God helps us to remember the right things. I, I would say this way, worshiping God helps us remember. You know why I sing every Sunday? I don't sing every Sunday because I have a good voice. I mention this to you every week. I'm not a good singer. But I do have a good God. And it actually provokes me to singing beyond what I should sing. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a musician, but, but that's not my, my gift. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I could barely play the cowbell. You know what I mean? Triangle, maybe. That's all I got. I'm not a singer, but I'll tell you that why, why I sing and why I engage in the presence of God when we begin to sing to him, because I believe there's power in an atmosphere when you begin to magnify him. And what happens is when you begin to worship God, you begin to remember. You see, I believe worship helps us remember what's true. What's true? I, I don't just sing to remind myself how good God is. I sing to remind God, hey God, just in case you forgot, you are good. You're good. Oh, right. You're good. And not only do I sing to remind God, I sing to remind the devil that he's defeated, that God is good. And even though my, my week might have been bad, the diagnosis might have been bad, the season might be bad, the people serving papers or filing bankruptcy or going through a season of loss, that even in difficult seasons, we remind ourselves what's true. You see, there's a difference between facts and truth. There can be facts that the doctor can say, fact, there is cancer in your body. That is a fact. But there is a higher power beyond facts, and it's called truth. Truth states that the fact may be true that you're sick, but the truth states that God can do anything. And I think sometimes we live in the realm of facts, and we never press into the reality of truth. Truth is that God is good. And as I begin to honor him and, and thank him for what he's done, what happens to all of us is the same. We begin to remember what's really important. Some you are like, well, Mark, I'm not spiritually minded. I'm not a spiritual person. I'm somber, stoic. I could be the cover girl for the book of Lamentations. That's not me. I'm not demonstrative, man. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a singer. I'm not a, I'm not a pray. I'm not a, I'm not one of those charismaniacs. I'm not a, I'm not a Pentecostal. You know what I mean? Like I, church jokes all day, right? 
That's not me. I want you to know that David reveals the secret. Really, this is the gasoline for acclaiming God. Where does your source of gratitude stem from? And again, maybe you've never really felt like you have a source of gratitude because you never knew what I'm going to teach you right now, five things that are true about God. First thing I want to tell you why we esteem God so highly is because he starts off by saying he is the God that forgives all, all, man, this is so good, all of your iniquities. Now, before you get too excited on me, iniquities, this is a big deal. Because God could have said, like he said in verse 12, that God would remove all of our transgressions from us. But it says this, that God forgives all of your iniquities. First thing I'd like to state is, verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. You know why this is really good news? Because if you go north on a globe, just imagine I had a globe here, and if I go north long enough, eventually you go over the North Pole and you start going south. And if I go south long enough on a globe, eventually I'll be going north. But I love the fact that David is so strategic in his language because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says, God will remove your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. If you go east, you'll perpetually go east forever. East is infinite. West is infinite. You'll never, west and east never collide. And God's trying to prove a point here that your transgressions are as far as the east is from the west. I'm not sure if I'm pointing the right way. I don't know where I'm at. Come on. I just moved here four months ago. But I want you to know as far as the east is from the west, God has removed your transgressions. But Psalms, he says this, bless the Lord of my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity. Now I want you to write these two things that I'm going to teach you just for a second. I'm going to get into this. I promise we're going to have a good time is iniquities are different than transgressions. Iniquities are internal. Transgressions are external. And many people that read the Bible, they don't realize the power of Scripture. Because literally, imagine this, there was a sign right here. It said, no trespassing. Iniquity would be like this. It would be to go, you know what, I'm fantasizing about going over that sign. I want to get onto that private property. I know I'm not supposed to, but right now, I'm thinking all about it right now. That's iniquity. I'm thinking about doing what's wrong. Transgression is to literally, physically, step over the sign and say, I'm not supposed to do this, I'm not supposed to say that, I'm not supposed to look at this or go there or be this, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I want you to know that we as human beings fall into both categories, that we've all acted on what's wrong. Hello, church. There's three honest people in the room. God bless those three people. And the rest of us, we've not only acted on what's wrong, but we've thought about doing what's wrong. And that's why Isaiah 53, I think it's verse 3, is so powerful. It says that Jesus, watch how beautifully the Bible is fitted together. It says that he was wounded, external. Pierced with a spear, external. He was wounded for our transgressions, external sin. And he was bruised for our iniquities. Bruising is internal blood. And what the Bible does so beautifully, so eloquently, is he reveals to us that Jesus not only pays for external stupidity, he pays for internal stupidity. And many of you think, well, Mark, I didn't do anything bad, but I thought about it. It's just as bad to God. And the good news is, as David says, whether you've acted on it or whether you've thought about acting on it, all your iniquities, all of your internal stupidity is forgiven. 
And I want you to know today, if you're carrying guilt, come on, give him a good hand clap this morning. If you're carrying guilt, shame, you don't have to live your life. Jesus died. You know, you know one of the coolest facts about sheep are? Is sheep, one truth about sheep, there's a lot of them, but one, one fact about sheep is they are not burden-bearing animals. You will never go to the Middle East and load a sheep up full of your gear. <laughs> Bring the sheep over, guys. Throw my, my suitcase on there. They are not burdened. Donkeys, yeah, right? Horses, yeah. Cows, yeah. Sheep aren't good at carrying weight. And I believe that the reason why God says you and I are like sheep, because God never designed you or me to carry the weight of our sin and our mistakes and our stupidity. So what do we do? We say, God, I'm grateful this morning in this place with a cracky voice because you heal all, you forgive, excuse me, all of my internal sin. And I got good news for you. If God's big enough to heal you on the inside, he'll forgive you what you did on the outside. So David says, you want to know why I get excited about acclaiming God? Because he's healed me, he's forgiven me, excuse me, of all of my internal sins. Number two, I, I get excited about God. I meet God in the space of gratitude and thanksgiving because he doesn't just heal, uh, forgive me, he has the power to heal all of my diseases. He heals all my diseases. I don't know if, you, if someone lied to you or not, but I actually believe that God still is in the business of doing miracles. Now, some churches that, that teach that the miracles stop with Jesus, I just think it's hard to, to, to actually accredit what's happened to the millions of people throughout the world that have believed in the power of this book the last 2,000 years, that have seen signs, that have seen miracles, and seen wonders. I'm telling you right now that God is still in the business of doing the impossible. Well, what happens if we pray for someone and God, they don't get healed? That doesn't mean I'm not going to stop praying. What about the person that does get healed? I think the problem with people that, that, that stop believing in miracles when someone dies or something bad happens is, is because two, two, things, two things, is they think that death is a, is a loss. I want you to know that when we die, that's not always a loss. Actually, if you believe in Jesus, it's still a victory. And I think we're judging movies that aren't completed yet because we don't see the other side of eternity. So our job is not to heal. Our job is to believe. And I want you to know, Oceans Church, we believe that we will not only be a community where you can be forgiven from, from your iniquities. We believe in a church that has the power to actually heal you of your diseases. That's impossible. Mark, God can't heal. Mark 9. What does it say, Mark 9? Jesus says, all things are possible to him who believes. Well, I went to a church that never saw miracles because that's what the pastor said. Exactly. Your pastor got exactly what he believed for. I want you to know that when you believe God to do the impossible, he'll show up to do the impossible. I've seen almost every miracle in the Bible. I could spend the last 15 minutes of my message talking about deaf ears that were open up in meetings. I can tell you about blind eyes I've seen open up in meetings, not only in this continent, but in Australia and other places in the world. I went to Australia when I was, man, I was probably 24 years old. I was so terrified. I somehow mistakenly got invited to this conference. Bishop Jakes was speaking at it, Creflo Dollar, Chris, all these people were speaking at this conference, and then there's a, there's a dude from Boise, Idaho, who was a youth pastor. I don't know how God got me there, but I'm at this conference, there's like, it's in four parts of Australia, there's like 6,000 people at each location, and they asked me to preach, I was so terrified, I fasted and I prayed for like, I think a week before I went on this trip. So I got there, I'm like, God, please help me, please help me. 
And literally before I got up to preach, I, uh, the Lord said, you know that message you've been studying for the last couple months? Get rid of it. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't, devil. No, you did. I know your voice. And so I got up, and I literally, I, I opened up my, my I, I had this, you know, just, I literally read like five verses, and God, God began to give me a word. And I felt the power of God come into this room, and there was about a six-foot-eight Aussie, big guy, big old man beard, and he was my driver while I was in Australia. And uh, I, I, didn't, I hardly knew him at all. And he was driving me around in the bank, or the uh, state's couple on the keys. I'm almost, I'm almost finished. He, 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 he was driving me around. I knew he was married, but that's all I knew about him. I barely knew his name, didn't even know his wife's name. And I literally just small talk from the hotel to the conference. That night, I heard the Holy Spirit say, pray for him. And I don't usually do this, by the way. But God, God told me to call him out of the crowd. He said, pray for him and let him know that this is going to be a fruitful season and that him and his wife are getting ready to have kids. And that's, again, that's a pretty specific word. So I'm like, all right, Lord, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> and I'm coming back to Australia. <laughs> or this is a good trip. <laughs> and so I literally called this guy out. And he stood out. And there's like, you know, thousands of people in this room. And I just said, I don't know, Chris, I don't know you very well. You just drove me here tonight. Grab your wife's hand. I said, God told me this would be a fruitful season for you guys. You're going to multiply. And he's getting ready to give you kids. And what I didn't know was, is this is one of the top leaders in one of the biggest churches in Australia. And everyone in that room knew that his wife physically could not have kids. That that, that was an impossibility. I'm, I can't remember if she had a hysterectomy, but there's parts of her body that just were, were, were dead. But she could not, they got tested, they could not have kids. So the whole room goes, <gasps> like that. Like that, good job, Stace. Man, just like that. <laughs> scared me. It's like, he's here again. I, uh, I haven't seen this happen very often, but I have seen it happen on occasions. I started praying for him and the power of God, he was like probably, you know, 20, 30 feet away. It hit him and his wife. Literally, it was like, like someone like pushed him over and they're not charismaniacs. They weren't hyper spiritual people. The power of God hit him. They, they actually go to the ground. It was like someone pushed him back. Someone caught him. Thank God. And they were on the ground just weeping. And I'm like, you know, this better be God. Afterwards, they told me, some of the leaders said, yeah, they, they, they know that they can't have kids. But God can do anything. And so I, I left that conference two and a half, maybe three weeks after I left. This was the first of probably four incidents, three for sure, maybe four incidents I can think of. I got an email, because it was, you know, 10 years ago, <laughs> that said, uh, we, can't, we can't believe it. But Christine is pregnant. God, fit, listen, listen. Before it gets too crazy, I want you to know that God can do anything. And if God wants bananas to grow on telephone poles, He can do anything. God, I, and I've seen it on three. I could tell you story after. You ask my wife. I've told story after story. And one of the unusual miracles I've seen on a couple occasions, there was a woman that had a hysterectomy in Northern California. Same thing. Couldn't have kids. Got a hysterectomy. And God physically put organs back into her body that were not there previously. Documented miracles. Well, that's impossible. That's impossible. No, it's impossible we don't believe that God can do anything. To the Bible we read, God raises dead people, people. He restores blind eyes to people that don't have sight. But you know what's crazy in America? You go to, you go to Africa, you see miracles. I have an evangelist friend that he has seen dead people come back from the, to life. They prayed over him. And, like, there was a, a lady, Evangelist Teresa Wairimu, that was in a meeting. A, a guy died in the meeting. 
And she goes, all right, there's commotion. She walks over there and she's like, okay, this guy's dead. And uh, she goes, God, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit said, he did not come to your service to die. He came to your service to live. So she laid hands on him. He was dead for like 10 minutes. Laid hands on him. Before the paramedics got there, she said, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. And this guy comes back to life after 10 minutes of being dead. We don't see that in North America. You know why? Because we get what we believe. I believe, and it's not logical, Mark. I want you to know that there's some things more powerful than facts. It's truth. David says God not only can forgive you, listen to me, he can, he can heal you. He heals cancer. He heals skin disease, disorders. We've seen, there's a girl I did premarital counseling for, her and her husband, that she lost her you know, virginity early on, came to Jesus in college, was in a crazy uh, sorority, fraternity, whatever, and, and she, she lived this wild life. Mary's a guy in our church who's, who's a Christian kid. And in my office, she was so ashamed. She goes, I'm so ashamed that he saved himself for me, but I actually lived a wild life before Jesus, and I got ST, I have a couple STDs. They're lifelong STDs. And I said to her, I said, and I said her name, and I said, do you believe that God can heal you? And she says, she started getting teary-eyed. She said, I think God can do anything. The next night, ironically, it was Wednesday I did premarital. Thursday we had our service. All these guys were at this service. We prayed for healing. That night, a girl with a, with a blind eye, eye opened up that night. And again, I don't think you have to be weird to see miracles in the church. And this girl responds the next day. She, ironically, once a year checkup is on Friday. So she's at my office Wednesday. She's at church Thursday. Friday, she's at her annual doctor's appointment. They say something's not right. We got to run the test over again. The next doctor comes in after two tests, says, hey, we need to transfer you to another part of the hospital. We got to do some blood work on you. She's like, what the heck is going on? They didn't tell her what was happening. Three tests later, one blood test later, they come in and say, we don't understand how or why, but we have all of your reports from the last six years of you having this disease, and it's no longer in your body. I want you that God can do anything. I could keep telling story after story because I can feel the doubt in the room. But I want you to know, you don't have to have faith to see miracles. Someone has to have faith. In Mark, it says that the, the lame man didn't have any faith. But his friends that were on the roof had faith. And Jesus saw their faith, and he healed that lame man. And I want you to know that not everyone that comes to our church has faith to be healed, but some of us do. And as long as some do, all will experience the power of God. If you believe it, say amen. Man, I have way more notes here. Fill his presence. He'll heal all your diseases. He'll redeem your life from destruction. He'll redeem your life from destruction. There's someone in here that you've said this before. You said, why? Why, God? Why did they have to die? Why did this have to happen? Why did I have to lose that job? Why did that marriage not work? Why did this business fall apart? And I actually believe this, that many of you will never get answers to your why questions. I wrote it down in my Bible somewhere, but there was over 180 questions that Jesus asked. There was over 300 questions that people asked Jesus, and Jesus only responded to three of those whys. And I think that many times we don't get the answers to whys. But if you're not believing in God because of something that you can't understand, I would suggest to you to remember what it was like to be a baby. Because you see, babies in the womb, they have noses that they don't use. In the womb, babies have eyes they do not use. In the womb, babies have mouths that they do not use. They don't eat through their mouth. They eat through their umbilical cord. 
And I believe that some of you are saying, God, why did this happen? You can't be good because that happened and that fell apart and that was destructive. I want you to know that babies are a good reminder of the power of God's purpose. Because when you're in the womb, you don't need a mouth. You don't need eyes that work in the womb. I would even say that most of your, most of your body isn't useful in the, in the world that you're in, but rather God's preparing you for the next life and the next stage of life. And I believe that God will redeem divorce. He'll redeem loss, tragedy. God wastes no experiences. And I want you to know today that if you'll say, God, look, my life has gone south, but I believe that you can rectify and you can redeem it. I promise that like David, you'll say, God, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Would you stand your feet today? I feel like that's all I'm supposed to say. I have probably two more messages in these notes. One of my mentors told me this. He said, Mark, whenever you're speaking, I want to just say this to some of you. We have a lot of great preachers in this church. Pastoral moment. Whenever there's a grace on something that God is saying to the church, don't feel obligated to your message. I'd actually encourage you to marry the Spirit of God and date your notes. And there's some times that you get into a point and it's like that, and we've got more notes, but God wants to do something in here. And I felt like I hit a vein with those three ideas. That there's people in here that you didn't know that you need to be forgiven of some stuff. And you are like a picture of a, of a sheep that's literally bent knees, sweating profusely, because you're carrying things that God never intended for you to carry. Others of you in here, you're like, I didn't know that God could heal people still. No one ever told me that he's a God of miracles. I want you to know that the same spirit that got Jesus out of the grave lives in our physical bodies. Paul says it has the power to quicken your body. Isaiah 53, I read it earlier. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by the stripes that Jesus was whipped with on Calvary, it says we are healed. Are you like one of those faith churches? Can I ask you a question? Should we, what's the other option? You one of those faith preachers? I guess. I don't want to be a doubt preacher. I actually have a problem with a Christianity that doesn't require faith. I think it's, I think it's always a bad idea to domesticate God down, dumb him down to a level that you're not believing or expecting him for anything. God likes to be needed. God likes to be honored. You know why God heals people? I think the number one reason why he loves miracles is it's free advertisement. Because I promise you, if he heals you today... You will tell someone this week. Man, I had a lump on my chest. It's gone after this service. I, man, I was having this crazy arthritis in my body. God healed it today. I want you to know, listen to me, healing is not weird. There are some healing pastors and ministries that are a little strange, but this is not one of those churches. Can I get a good amen? We're going to be natural and spiritual, and we're not going to be weird. And I want you to know that God will heal anything that you, I, I, I believe this. Well, does God heal everything? I, I don't know if God always heals everything. So I think the answer is he doesn't. But I do know that he heals sometimes. Is it because you're a good person or a bad person? I don't think that's, our, that's the way God sees it at all. I think it's more of a God. God's job is outcomes. My job is belief. So I'm going to believe and I'm going to pray. And if I pray, how many, would, can I ask you a question? If you had to pray for 100 people to see one person healed, would you pray for 99 people? 
Would you not believe in healing because 99 didn't get healed if only one did? That's only 1%. I would suggest to you that it's higher than that. But I'd also say to you that the 1%, even if that's what it was, is still worth our faith. It's still worth our belief. Come on, if you're going to clap, give him a good hand clap this morning. I feel his presence. Leaders are going to come forward. We're about done today. We already prayed for you before you got here. Our leaders, we prayed through all, the, all these points. Actually, I had two more for you, but we'll have to share those maybe next year. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, maybe next week. We'll see. Uh, I want to pray for you right now, though. I feel like these three areas are so applicable today. Real quick, we're a responsive church. We're not here to study God. We're here to experience Him. I'll say it again. We're not just here to study God. We're going to learn more about Him, but we're here to experience God. And if you're here today and you need a physical healing in your body, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes just so you're not embarrassed, you're not distracted. If there's something physically in your body that needs to be healed, would you do me a favor? Would you just pop your hand up, up? Thank you. All over. Honest people. It doesn't make you weird to need healing. Come on. That's, that's, we all have healing needs sometimes. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands up and then down. If you're here and you feel like the sheep that's weighed down by burdens, you're carrying shame, you're carrying guilt, I want you to know that closets are for clothes and for vacuum cleaners. They're not for skeletons. And you don't have to go to the grave with secrets. Jesus went to the grave so that we don't have to die with secrets. He pays for all of our stupidity, all of our shame, all of our sin. If you're here and you feel weighed down by maybe guilt or shame, remorse, regret, would you put your hand up and say, Mark, would you pray that God would forgive? God would forgive. Come on, there's some honest people here today raising their hands. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, last thing I think I got to today, if you're here and you feel like, man, I feel like seasons of my life have been a loss, would you pray that God would redeem, that God would redeem difficult and trying seasons of my life? Can God make this worthwhile? Would God make this work out for good? Would you put your hand up? God, redeem this life, this relationship, this job. Redeem this season that I'm in right now. Honest people in Ocean's Church. If you raise your hand in any of those three areas, can I ask you a question real quick? Actually, I always say that wrong. Would you ask a question real quick? Would you say all over the room, say, God, try it out. Say, God, what are you saying to me through this message? And I feel like for some of you, he's challenging your faith. Yeah, he's here. And I'm telling you that when you experience his forgiveness, you'll start singing. Experience his healing, you'll start singing. <laughs> you'll start getting excited. When you see his redemptive power at work in your life, you'll start singing out of gratitude. He's here. If you want, really, really quick here, we're to close. We're to sing one last song. Every week we do this at Ocean's Church. We create a space that you can get prayer. If this message was for you, one of those three points, you need healing, forgiveness, or redemption. I challenge you to get out of your seat today. Take a step of faith. Again, it's not strange or, or different to respond to God. It's normal. Our society's programmed us that it's weird or strange to respond to God. It's never, it's never strange to get prayer. It's always good to get prayer when you need it. If you're here all over the room, under the sound of my voice, this message spoke to you, or, or you need a prayer request. Need a, need a miracle in your family, in your life, your wife, your job, your house, your health. If you're here and you need a miracle, our team is ready to pray for you. We're going to sing one song. Guys are going to go to guys. Girls are going to go to girls. And we're going we're to sing the last song, last three minutes of our service. We're going to sing this song. I would ask you, unless you have to leave, to hang out. We'll be out of here in five minutes. 
For the last three minutes here, we're going to sing the song. We have two announcements. We're going to be out of here. Would you do me a favor? If this message was for you, you want a prayer, or you have a prayer request, why don't you get out of your seats as they start singing this song, and these leaders are going to pray for you right now. Go ahead. One on the count of three. Two all over the room. Get out of your seats. Three. Come get prayer. Thanks for listening to the Oceans Church Podcast. For more information about Oceans Church, including gathering times, locations, and how you can give and support the community, check us out at www.theoceanschurch.com.